All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Coming in hot is presented by Botano. The game starts now. Here are your hosts, Brent Wallace, Jason York, and Bobby Ryan. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Brent Wallace. Uh, that's Jason York. And as I mentioned uh, earlier this week, Yorkie, Bobby Ryan, as we like to say, on assignment this week. Yes. Uh, so, like, anyway, uh, we will be hearing from him Monday as he will tell us exactly what he's been up to. But he did hint at it saying... Uh, uh, he'll be in Owen Sound with Hockey Night in Canada. So I uh, hope yeah. he has a great weekend, but we've got stuff lined up. And this show, as always, Bobby, which is uh, Yorkie, which is brought to you by, uh, as always, Batano, batano.ca. And uh, I, I always like to have you on as the smartest man in hockey. It seems like the perfect time to bring that up. Uh, is the trademark for you. But anyway, go to batano.ca, download the app, and uh, check out all the stuff as, the, uh, as they like to say the game starts now. Yorkie, the show starts now. So let's get to it. Uh, before we get to Sean Van Allen. And that is what? a couple of things happening. Eh? Um, one, uh, Josh Norris returned to the lineup on Wednesday night against Pittsburgh. Interesting, though, I don't know if I like the fact he's not taking draws. I like the fact he's in the lineup after a 38 games. I'm concerned because we saw this with Shane Pinto as he tried to get back, ironically or coincidentally enough, against Pittsburgh. Um, should they have sat your... Uh, Josh Norris a few more games, maybe. Well, so for sure he's he, he I'll tell you what, for, from a from a former player's perspective, he has probably been bugging the training staff to get back in yes. sooner. Um, that's how this kid's wired. Um, we had him on the show here 
he's a he's a gamer he's a competitor and that's what usually happens you've been out so long and say okay you're, you're coming back in we're clearing you you're healthy but you're not taking draws yet um and, and it's the muscle memory too that's how he heard it so probably not a bad decision to do that and then slowly yeah. get back into doing that and it doesn't hurt too the other thing with taking draws it's it's a lot of its timing so when you haven't done it for a while you're better off having Claude Giroux in there take draws who's one of the best guys in the NHL so I, I, I didn't mind that at all Wally um, that's how he injured it take your time um, but I, I'll, I'll guarantee you he probably tried to get back in sooner <laughs> uh than he did so that's just how this kid's wired and it's how most yep. professional athletes are wired and you get the sense like he wants to be in the middle of this the thick of things with his buddies right like he's like it, i want to uh, help us turn this thing around it is so miserable when you are hurt you don't even feel like you're part of the team because the team goes on the road you stay back at home you're you're back there working out by yourself and you you get a little bit depressed Yep. And, and I know, and Josh is a single guy too. So he's at home by himself. It's lonely. And, and he uh, said that in the show. Just, yeah, no. Cause I I've been in that position and it sucks. And I had a family around me and my kids, but still you just, you want to get back. You want to be part of it. And then to make matters worse, you see the team losing. You're not playing. You're one of the team's best players. So you're chomping at the bit to get back in. So, um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I, I'm surprised he's back this quick. So full marks to Josh. Yeah, he must have just been kicking ass in his rehab. Uh, but uh, no, it's 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 a behind the scenes when you're hurt, it sucks, and it is it is completely uh, and absolutely miserable. Uh, so the sense obviously much better with him in the lineup. That moves Shane Pinto back down to the third line spot. Uh, there was some talk. Uh, Matthew Joseph was going to be back in the lineup too as Shane Pinto's winger. Uh, and then he became a healthy scratch going into that Wednesday game against Pittsburgh. It's That's interesting, Yorkie, because yeah. he had missed, I think, 18 games. We thought he might play in Colorado. They pushed it back to St. Louis on Monday, and then he didn't play in St. Louis. Okay, so if you're hurt and then you're cleared and you don't play and your brother's in town for the first time ever and you have 50 family members coming Ooh. to watch... Something's wrong. So yeah. you tell me as a player what's going on here. So, so let me start off by putting the disclaimer out here, Wally. <laughs> this is this is this is totally me. I have no inside information. It's total speculation. But I'm just gonna I'm gonna take the temperature of the Ottawa Senators right now. And everybody knows this team is really struggling. That game against St. Louis was a huge game. Uh, they took a lot of heat for that 7 nothing loss in Colorado. So they wanted to come off the road trip and say, oh, you know what? We lost 7 nothing, but we still took two out of three games on that road trip. And they they very easily could have won that game. It could have went either way. So yep. reading between the lines here, and do we do we know what Joseph, what was the injury with him, by the way? Did they ever, they've, did that? They they've ever, never said. So what I was led to believe by reading things, listening to things, that he was cleared to play, right? Is that safe to say, yes. Wally? He was yeah. clear. He, so he was cleared to play in that game. So this week, and we talked about Josh Norris, he's been chomping at the bit to get back in the lineup. So you have Josh Norris, that's probably bugging the training staff, uh, bugging the coaches. I want to play, I want to play, I want to play. Get me back in the lineup. Uh, finally back in the lineup. And then you have the situation with, uh, and again, this is just me speculating. I'm just saying, and I don't know if this happened or not. I'm saying the Joseph situation, 
is maybe a little different where the training staff says to GJ Smith and the coaches, Joseph's ready to play. He's ready to come back in the lineup. So reading and hearing things, I heard he was practicing with the line he was supposed to play on, supposed to play. Yes. And then speculating that the player then just said, you know, I'm not ready to play. So I don't know what the injury is, but I'm just taking a, a, an educated guess here and saying, well, that might've rubbed some people the wrong way. Maybe the leadership group, the guys that are out there battling, the guys that are playing, and then you lose that game. DJ Smith and everybody is saying, well, you know what? Norris is coming back in the lineup Wednesday. Why don't you take another night off to Matthew Joseph? If you weren't, if you weren't ready to play that, if you weren't ready, if you weren't ready to play that game and I'm not saying that's fair or that's not fair because listen, I'm retired now and I played a lot of games that I shouldn't have played because I was that guy that said, I'm going to play when I'm hurt. And <laughs> you're a hero when you do it. Everybody loves you. Everybody praises you, but it's not good for your general health when you're retired. So I don't know if it's a knee or a back or how serious it was. I am just speculating of what I think happened. Um, and who knows? At the end of the day, it'll eventually come out in the wash. But I'm, it's being part of that any team that is losing right now. It is so tough. It is so miserable. Everyone, and especially in the Canadian market. So I just, I just, for me, I'm just taking a hunch. And I, and I think that's maybe what happened. And then now with the family and friends, man, that's, that is a tough so message. That is a tough message to send, but I would have to think if, if that is in fact, what happened, players were probably, I'm not saying they, they went to the coaches and said that, but I would say everybody knew that was going to happen and a message was sent. Interesting. I will say uh, officially he's listed still as injured going into the Pittsburgh okay. game, uh, but it was always well, maybe it was always expected that he was going to play in the St. Louis game, and it, and the game notes can easily just say ing yeah, yeah. very quickly, right? Um, but he is officially listed so, as a healthy scratch for the for the Pittsburgh game. So, uh, so and what and la the last thing I will say too with with sure. players there is. There is a difference, and I always would say this when you're playing, and again, I'm old school, there's a difference between hurt and injured. Yep. When you're injured, you can't play because you have you, you, there's, there's, a, there's a chance of re-injuring. So you never play when you're injured, but there are guys, and there are guys with different pain tolerances too. There is. Like, I played with Magnus Everson, and he, he needed to play when he was 90%. Nobody, nobody's ever 100%. That just doesn't happen in NHL, but some guys can play at 70%. Some guys can play at 80 you saw Eric Carlson play on one leg in the playoffs. It's just different guys have different pain tolerances. So it's, it's, everyone's different. And I'm just taking a total stab in the dark of, of maybe a reason why it happened. Um, and who knows, it'll all come out in the wash later. I, it's just, it's interesting. I don't know. Do you lose the yeah. player if that happens? Uh, like this seems to be pretty well, drastic. This is not just like, well, Seattle's coming to town, so you're going to sit this game out. Like, this is your yeah. first time, maybe the only time you're ever going to face your brother. And I understand the NHL isn't about feel-good messages and all that stuff of, hey, your brother's here. We want you to – okay, I get it. It's a business. Mm -hmm. I think that's a pretty big message to be sending when your team is sitting near the bottom of the standings and you're nine points or whatever out of a playoff spot at that point. I, I don't like it. Uh, I can understand it from – the player side and DJ side, and maybe it's a Pierre Dorian decision. I get that so too. Th 
the other thing too, there's a word, there's a, there's a word in pro sports that coaches hate, uh, people around the game hate is comfortable. And when you watch the senators play, sometimes they look, cause you have a lot of guys on long-term contracts and it's yep. motivation, uh, and right now, I'll tell you, coaches aren't comfortable. General managers not comfortable, and they're they know new ownerships coming in. They know changes are coming. On the other side of things, you got a lot of players on a lot of long-term contracts. Matthew Joseph is another one of those guys who I, I believe signed a new contract. Right, he's got a nice yep. contract. Yep. He's getting paid very well. So there's a lot of guys are in good positions financially, and. Um, and again, I'm just speculating here, but it's, it, there is a human element to this business. And, and when you watch the senators at times, it's sometimes they look comfortable out there. And, uh, when you have a comfortable team, the coach needs to find a way to make guys uncomfortable. So that's part of it too. Uh, fair enough. Uh, and we will move on uh, a couple of things to get to before Vanner gets here. I know he's waiting. Uh, one is that always this show brought to you by Renfrew pro tape, go to renfrewpro.com. Uh, by the way, follow them on Instagram. Every Friday is free tape Friday. They're at Renfrew pro, uh, feel the game. Uh, Renfrew pro continuously evolves its products to ensure that every roll of hockey tape optimizes performance, regardless of the type of hockey tape you or hockey stick you use renfrewpro.com uh the one with the green core and by bei bonsher excavating inc heavy heavy civil general contractor uh equipment rentals aggregate topsoil sales all kinds of things if you're looking for them in the ottawa valley uh by the way bei helping to shape the ottawa valley give them a call 613-432-1120 bonshireexcavating.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Um, last thing before we get to Banner, and that's uh, Ivan Provorov in Philadelphia on Tuesday night sat out warm up because of he didn't want to wear the warm up jersey to support uh, hockey is for everyone and, and Pride Night for the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. There's a lot to I guess unpacked here. The fact that he's allowed to make that choice that's fine, but choice comes with consequences, and one of them is to perhaps maybe not play the game. And I think people 
were hoping that that would have been the decision because hockey has tried or the NHL to be inclusive for everybody. I don't like it. And I will say for my personal uh, self that I, I disagree with his decision. And I think it sends the wrong message to obviously saying, Hey, hockey isn't for everybody. Cause I don't feel like we're, I'm going to be inclusive here. I just think mm-hmm. you can choose your lifestyle. I get that. I just want people to feel safe and included. And that's all I'm asking for. And I just think that that was the wrong message to send. Yeah. Well, I, I got a chance to, you talk about being in a safe environment and you never used to hear those things, at least when I was coming up playing in junior hockey. For sure. My, yeah. my junior, my junior hockey environment was, uh, anyway, we'll yeah. save that conversation for, for, for another day. But at, at, at the end of the day, it's, it's, you're asked to do a lot of things as, as players and people look up to you, you're put on a pedestal. Guys just sometimes don't make the right decisions. And, and it's just, man, it's whether you disagree or don't disagree, there's always going to be someone that's going to argue with you on either side of it. This thing is really blown up. I was following it on social media. So um, uh, somebody brought up a great point for a guy like Tony D'Angelo has got involved politically and he said, well, Tony D'Angelo just put the jersey on and he did it. And, you know, it's, you just, for hockey, it's, it's become a hot button topic. Wally, Um, hockey is for everyone. My personal thing is I've always felt that way about hockey. Yeah, there's some bad people in the game. There's some people that do it, but there's bad people in everywhere. It's If you can just set an example yourself, uh, be a good person, be a good coach, be a good parent, try and do the right thing. If more and more people did that, uh, the, the hockey and everything else would be a better place. I completely agree. And so I, I just, I felt that we needed to probably say something just that I, I just, I, I really disliked yeah. that, that he decided to do that. And, and, Listen, it didn't have any impact in his life. I get that he didn't support it, but it has zero impact for you to wear the, as far as I can tell, for you to wear the jersey and just try to be inclusive. That's all. You can, um, you can, sp- you can spin anything in any way to, to, to support your narrative, whether you agree sure. or you don't agree. Man, there's, there are some great battles going on Twitter today about the whole thing. Uh, one thing I've learned with, uh, uh, politics, religion, and things like that. I, I, I usually try and keep my, my beliefs to myself. Uh, it's, it's usually safer that way, but at some point, uh, <laughs> you have to speak up to try to protect the, the people that are, uh, I guess mm. not as no question about right, that, that, no that question. don't have that voice. So, uh, sometimes we've got to do that. Uh, all right. Vanner is standing yeah. by, so we will, we will get to him as always, uh, this show brought to you by Botano. Go to botano.ca. There is no lock of the day today, uh, Yorkie, as uh, Bobby is off, so I can't have this heated debate uh, on the next game. So we will wait till he returns for lock of the day. But uh, go to botano.ca, uh, place your bets on the uh, next game, which is the home and home with Pittsburgh uh, on Friday. Uh, and also uh, Montana's, which has daily deals. Go to montana's.ca uh, on th- on Sunday, I should say. It's 15% off online takeout. Uh, on all your orders, but if you're inside and you're dining, they have an all new comfort menu items and uh, you can dine at Montana's and uh, have a Molson and enter for your chance to win a trip for two to the NHL awards in Nashville, the best place on earth to go watch a game. Um, and and so, or so, also a Molson branded NHL fridge, all that stuff at montanas.ca. Now here is our good friend, Sean Van Allen. Venner, uh, the head coach, by the way, of the Carlton Men's Ravens hockey team. How are you, sir? Good to see you again. I'm great to see you guys. <laughs> see, I don't know if I believe you because you used to be <laughs> when when you finished playing, 
uh, you would come and sit in the press box and we'd sit next to each other. At one point, I updated your Wikipedia page uh, because there was a few things that were wrong, but you used to eat or chew or take the bubble gum I brought. Like, I'd have to stop at the store on the way to get you bubble gum. We had a good thing going back then. Bubblicious. <laughs> it was. It's it very good. I do miss what do you do? What, yeah, do you do do. Up, what do you do in updating his wiki? Like, what was wrong with it? Like, oh, it was just wrong. It was like some, just, it was really wrong for whatever reason. They yeah. want to put writes... Donovan Saskatchewan in there all the time. Yeah. Who writes those things anyhow? I don't know. But bonky. It was what? probably Radic Bonk. Um, ah. and let's, let's move on. By the way, uh, did you ever foresee yourself being a coach uh, at any level when you finished playing hockey? Yes, I did. Well, my last year with the Sens, uh, Donnie Jackson and I, I, we'd go over the video on the PK. And um, so it was a little bit into that. And then with my skating ability, Brent, I figured I'd be into coaching at some point in time too. So um, I was always kind of thinking the game, seeing the game, um, because there was a lot of guys more gifted skating than I was. And so that's where my head was always at, trying to see different things. In uh, Donnie, 06, Donnie, 07, Don, uh, hold on. Donnie, sorry, Don, I just, Donnie, no, sorry, Wally, just cut you off. Donnie Jackson, he actually rented my house for two years when I was away. The house was never in worse shape, too, by the way, when I got back. I, I need a word with Donnie if you got his number, Banner. <laughs> what a beautiful human being he is. I'm not, I think he's over <laughs> Germany or something in coaching. Is he? Yeah, he's a hell of a nice guy. Yeah. Nice guy. And it's crazy, too, Wally, sorry. That guy was the most mild-mannered guy, but you watch some of his old-school tapes. He was a lunatic on the ice. Yes. Like, that guy could go. You needed him to when you played Calgary. Back in those days, that was one unbelievable rivalry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Wally. I, no, that's okay. I'll, I'll come back to the uh, player development part in a second, but you, thought, you brought up a point about Don Jackson. I've heard a story, and I don't know if it's him or Ron Lowe because I sometimes get them confused. Is somebody, you guys were on the bus, and I think it might have been to Binghamton at one point to play an exhibition game or do something. And I don't, and I don't remember the year. So if you guys don't remember, uh, forgive me. I should have brought this up before we started the interview. Is you guys stopped the bus, and he climbed through a snowbank to get a VCR on the bus because it broke down. Does this anywhere ring a bell? I usually played in the lesser cities in the exhibition. I knew I played in every one. <laughs> Todd White came down with a vicious groin injury one time. I think he was only at 99% healthy, and he couldn't go in this exhibition game. So who else did they call? But, no, I do not recall uh, okay. that. Okay, I got to get to the bottom Whitey. of that story. Um, Whitey. I do miss Todd White. He's on the list to be joining our group at some point. All right, uh, player, you were player development at the end of your career. For uh, 06, 07, you were in Ottawa. Um, so did that – uh, help you on the route to becoming a uh, head coach? Like, did you, did you learn much at that point? Um, well, I watched a lot of hockey games, um, traveled all over North America, watching, you know, Russian players, Swedes, everything, anyone that the sense of drafted in the last number of years. Um, I'm not sure if it did or not, to tell you the <laughs> truth. I met some great people. Anders Hedberg was off the chart. John Muckler was really good to me. Um, you know, we went to the Stanley Cup final that year, yep. and then that was it. 
that was that one year. And then I think I was back up in the press box with you having Bubblicious. Um, My, how the mighty have fallen. Yes, exactly. It was, you know, Stanley Cup final and that's it. So, um, but no, it's Marty Johnson called me from Carlton and asked if I'd want to help him. I'd met him one time at a, at a skate and um, it's kind of a, I don't know if you want me to, it's a sad story. Uh, so the first time I meet him, uh, I go down to meet him and the other coach. Uh, my brother had passed away that night and my phone was going off like crazy. And he was like, you know, he died at like one or one in the morning. I found out anyway, I'm meeting him at eight o'clock in the morning. Um, and I go down and meet him. My phone's blown up and, and he's like, what's going on? Like, I can never seen anyone so busy in your life. And then finally I took him aside like a couple hours later and said, Hey, just to let you know, my brother died last night. And he goes, Oh my God, what are you doing here? And I'm like, well, this was set up. You know what I mean? So anyway, that's, that was my first, first year into coaching. Um, the second year at Carleton, uh, my house caught on fire and burnt down. So I was like, if it was going to happen, something happened again, I was done. It would have been a short coaching thing. It would have probably been like the development thing. Uh, but anyway, it's, uh, oh, it's, it's been good. A lot of great kids and a lot of great people. Yeah. Uh, hey, sorry, Wally. With, nope. with, with the coaching banner, and I, I did a little coaching for the last couple of years as well. You know what I find, and I don't know if you're the same, is there guys you draw back on, you say, you take a little bit from each guy? Like, who are some of the guys when you're coaching that you you try and use some of their stuff and it kind of sticks with you? The guy for me was Perry Pern. I, I just thought he used to run great practices. But is there certain guys that you played for that you try and steal a little bit of their stuff and use some of their stuff? Well, I think everyone copies everybody. You know what I mean? Um, Perry, Perry gave me some great advice, and he was talking about practice. And he says, if you're going to be jazzed up about the drills, the players will too. You know what yeah. I mean? Not every drill can be a fun and exciting. There's got to be some work work being done there too. But that's one of the things I said. And like, you know, when you're explaining a drill and you're really excited about it, you know the guys will be too. And mm. they pick up on that. So that was good advice. And, you know, Jock with the, you know, how patient he was with the, you know, the defensive side. You know, you got to, not too many champions don't play really well defensively. Mm. And then Hitch, Hitchcock and Dallas always had really good systems. Oh, yeah. Um Dressing room was a completely other story, but um, it, he had really good systems. Um, so, and then little drills here and there, like we we do the one drill. I don't know if you remember in Anaheim, uh, the forwards from the blue line pass down to the the D on the boards, and yeah. we do a one on one, two on one, three on two. That's yeah. been the guy's favorite drill probably for the last ten years or so. Nice, nice. I forgot you played for Hitch. You must yeah. have some. You must have some beauty Hitchcock stories. Well, wait. Too many. Wait on the Hitchcock story. Okay. Hold on. okay, we'll get to those later. I got yeah, I, I got a plan, and I'm way behind it already. Um, okay, well, sorry. There's a few, and also you played with Claude Noel, uh, Claude Noel, uh, Joe Sackle. Like you played with a few guys who were also head coaches. So we'll get to that too. Yep. But uh, first, uh, time for tale of the tape. Brought to you by Renfrew Pro Tape. Go to RenfrewPro.com. The one with the green core. Um, here is some stats about Sean Van Allen that people may not know. Uh, five, five different teams you played for, Edmonton, Anaheim, Ottawa twice, which we'll get to, Dallas and Montreal. That's a 13-year career, 794 regular season games. You are 13th all-time in games played by an Ottawa Senator, 465 games over six seasons. 133, that's the number of points scored by as an Ottawa Senator, which, by the way, is the most by anybody to wear number 22. Uh, and one, you were an AHL scoring champion in 1992. 
with 113 points. You also won a Calder Trophy there as well. Uh, as a member of the Cape Breton Oilers. That is tale of the tape. Uh, it's a lifetime ago, eh, Vanner, to, to that scoring championship? For sure. Holy cow. No kidding. Was that a long time ago? Um, my left winger was a big part of it. Uh, Dan Curry was his name. We played oh, yeah. together for five years. We sat beside him in the dressing room for five years. Uh, you know, we're really close. Uh, he wanted to shoot the puck. I wanted to pass the puck. It was as simple as that. He let me handle the defensive responsibilities and he'd handle anywhere in from 20 to 25 feet from the net. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. The right wingers would rotate. And then we got Stephen Rice when they made that trade. I think uh, Bernie Nichols and Louis DeBrusque went for Messier and Ricer came down and that made a big line. And then Billy McDougall went off in the Calder Cup playoffs that record I can't foresee ever being broken. You know, 16 games, 26 goals, 26 assists, 52 points. Uh, you know, we lost two games, both in overtime. First one was in overtime, uh, maybe overtime. The second one was double overtime, maybe in the final. But it was awesome. And a lot of guys complain about their time in the minors. You know, there's not a lot of money down there. But I wasn't ready for the NHL for probably a good three or four years down there. It wasn't close to being strong enough um, or quick enough. So I learned a lot down there. And like I've, I've said in the past, I've met a lot of great people down there too. It's crazy, eh, Vanner? Like you look at, and I remember I played against Vanner that year when he was lighting it up for Cape Breton, and that was my first year in Adirondack. And I had Barry Melrose. We ended up, we ended up uh, winning uh, the year after with Barry. But he used to say to me, he goes, "You bastards, you're bitch, and you complain every day about being here." And this, I'll never forget this. He goes, "You guys are gonna look back in these days, and it's gonna be some of the best days of your hockey lives." And we're like, "Yeah, you're full of shit." And you know what? He was right because you're down, like you said, you're down there and you, you make lifelong friends and you're just having a blast. And Evander and times were different back then too, because there were no phones. You, you were mm. kind of, you, you just, there was just a bond with the boys. And it was, uh, that was a nice little strip too. When you'd go down and you'd, you'd play Cape Breton, you'd play Halifax, um, you'd play Moncton. Like that was all Fredericton, Freddie beach. That was a great little strip. And, uh, Man, the AHL, too, man, that was a great league back then, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, and then St. John's Newfoundland came in. Oh, the uh, rock. Yeah, and it was, you know, it, it was, you know, real some real good hockey, really good teams. Um, you know, Halifax generally had a lot of good young guys. It was, it, it was a, you know, it, you learned a lot. Um, there was no easy nights. And, you know, I know in that first year in Cape Breton, we really took a beating. We were really young. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you got to play. You learned how to be a pro. And that was a big thing coming out of junior hockey, learning how to be a pro. Yeah, no, for sure. I don't remember, uh, and forgive me, if, by the way, you played, uh, I think it was 352 AHL games, 446 points, if that sounds familiar. Um, Fredericton, did, did you play against Jerry Fleming and Brad Brown? Were I, they there then? I wanted, not Brad Brown, was it there? Yeah. Um, those silky mitts were not, I think, still in junior <laughs> hockey back then. Um, love Brownie. Uh, I think we were there in Jerry's first game because he lined up beside Greg Hoggood and <laughs> he bent down and he was eye to eye with Hoggy. That's how, like, Greg Hoggood was like 5'7, five, 5'8, five, one unbelievable offensive defenseman. And was Jerry Fleming, if I correct me, a male nurse? Uh, yes. And also a bouncer at the, not Sweetwaters, but the Hilton, one of the part, the Cosmo, I think. 
Yeah, and so and we played those guys in the playoffs that year. I actually talked to Jerry last year about one of my players. Uh, he's coaching in the East Coast League. But anyway, yeah, I remember, like, we saw this mountain of a man coming in. And we're like, holy cow. Looked like his skates were about 12 to 13s, you know. And, and uh, you know, he was he was just one big human being. And in Fredericton, there's not really a lot of places to hide, it feels like, in that rink. So, no. Uh, no. Gary was pretty it was, it was like guys talking. It was like Slapshot guys talking about Oglethorpe. Oglethorpe? And you go, you're going in, you're going to Jerry Fleming. Don't mess with this guy. I, I don't. I, I don't even know why Jerry at, Fleming wore shoulder pads or uh, uniform because it never stayed on by the end of the so night. So big, yeah. <laughs> the banner, the the AHL back then that was a scary league to play in because every team carried about three or four guys that were legit, legit heavyweights. No. I think we had five on our team. Like the one year banner, we had Danny Vial, Jim Cummins. Uh, we brought this guy up from the East Coast League, Mike Butters. <laughs> Mike Butters came up, and all this guy did was fight. And then we had uh, Mark Potvin. Those guys, they competed to see who could get the most fights that year. Uh, they had a they had a competition. It was nuts. And uh, and remember Kirk Tomlinson? Oh, yeah. Kirk? Yep. Like, this guy came to camp about 220 pounds, might have been doing some things to help him get a little stronger, a little bigger in the summer because as the season went on, <laughs> we watched him shrink. But he was 5'10, ended up 180 at the end of the year, fought every single guy you could think of. It got so bad that the Rochester Americans had to bring in a guy just to fight him. It was so funny. But yeah, different times back then for sure, they with with the amount of tough guys each team had. Well, if you didn't have a couple guys, it wasn't fun. You know what oh. I mean? Like we'd got a couple of Czech guys and, uh, you know, you typically, if you get up by a little more than two, you know, you got to be careful. Right. And uh, like Greg Smith, really tough in Halifax too. He could, he could hit you. He could fight you. He could go cross check you. You know, he could go a number of different ways. And uh, they had a Jock Mayotte and uh, a buddy that I played junior with named Kevin Kaminsky. Oh, oh, killer Kaminsky. He's yeah, he's nuts. He's nuts. A great guy to know when you're going to play them 14 to 16 times in a year. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, I don't know. Like, like, so one of our Czech guys had cross-checked killer and put him out. And we happened to be playing them in a back-to-back. And uh, he went to the hospital, come back after the game. He's sitting there. So I go by him and, and sit beside Killer and say, how are you doing? And I said, are you going to be okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm playing tomorrow. And this Czech guy comes and sits beside him. And he says, Kevin, I'm so sorry. You know, I didn't mean to hurt you. And, oh, no problem at all. No problem. So he walks away and he turns to me and he goes, I'm going to kill him tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm like, I have no problem in my mind. And, of course, he went after him. You know what I mean? And, uh, like, he was uh, his uh-huh. – his, Second or third game, he got called up on a midget. And Ken Baumgartner was the king in the East for us. And Craig Berube was the king in the West in the WHL. Yeah. And Killer comes up. Bomber gets knocked down. Uh, punches Bomber right in the face. Bomber chases him. Taps him on the butt. Killer turns around and whammo. Bomber just hammers him. Here's this 15, 16-year-old kid. And I was like, man, he's got a lot of courage. So, v- Vanner, you're... You're so you're. I'm, I'm going over your timeline here because I played with Ken Baumgartner in Anaheim, and what a 
by the way, super, super tough guy and super smart too. Like the guy who was going to uh, law school or something like just a very great guy. He told me your team in junior, you guys used to go on for warm up and steal the other team's nets. Yeah, stuff like that used to happen. Yeah, yeah. Some, some teams wouldn't get them. Then the next year they had to bring in split warm-ups. So you'd have the <laughs> really? whole life to yourself. So what? So okay. So walk me back here. So basically, how does this start? Is this decided in the dressing room that guys, you know what? Let's we're gonna go out for warm-up and we're gonna steal their nets. Like who who's the guy, if you can remember, that's that's coming up with this? Well, some of the guys that we had on our team, like Wendell's brother, Kerry Clark, we had Kelly Chase, who we had Corey Kosher, we had Tony Twist. And we had Kevin Kaminsky. So when we would go up to PA, that was the second year. They brought in Darren Kimball. Um, well, the first year they had Manson and Baumgartner, which was a lot of fun to play against. And uh, like the trainer, the trainer, I remember going up there the first year and one of the guys complained, why do we have chicken? He goes, play like it, eat like it. And uh, so anyway, it was, it was some very interesting hockey. We had one where... Um, Another Kevin Kaminsky story is we're playing PA in the old barn in Saskatoon. And I feel like it's Twist and Kimball fighting. And there's a big roar down in our corner. And Kevin Kaminsky's got their goalie strung out. And they're going toe-to-toe. And next thing you know, guys are coming off the bench. It was like hockey that's never been seen like that in a long, long time. Nuts. Eh? Just, we're, just cr- crazy. Oh, we're way we're, behind. Yeah. <laughs> like, we, you... And back then, you like we loved playing on the road because there were some teams that would get sick in about Rosetown or a couple areas. You know what I mean? Coming to because Saskatoon's rink was very tiny, which was and we we were a really hungry, uh, not overly skilled team, but we would work hard and we would punish teams. Okay, I, I got to get your NHL career. We'll never get through this interview, and that's uh, I got to get to Ottawa at some point. But before that, you were a fifth round pick, 105th overall, if I'm not mistaken, to Edmonton. Yep. So. Uh, did you go to camp with like, are you on the ice with Wayne Gretzky? Do you have Wayne Gretzky stories? We'll get to the one about you being Wayne Gretzky in a moment, but yep. uh, are, are there stories of you and Wayne hanging out? Well, they, I'd like to say they made room for me when they traded them, but <laughs> I, I didn't break into 1990 there. So, uh, cause draft in 87, Canada cup, 87, Gretzky traded 88, I believe. Right. Right. So never saw, never saw Wayne. And back then, Brent, they had two groups at Edmonton Oilers camp, (laughs) the main guys and then everybody else. And (laughs) you were lucky if you played well enough, you might get to go over there once. And they only skated once a day. So they would skate like two (laughs) hours and stay at the lovely forum in across the street. And the other, the young guys, we'd be on the ice at like, say, 830, nine o'clock. And then we'd practice for an hour, and then the big guys would come on at 11 till 1, and then they were done, and then we would skate again after them. So oh that's – the training camps back then were really, really long. Like, they'd be a good month. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yes. You know, we didn't have a lot of money. I think we got to go to the West Edmonton Mall once, and that was the highlight. But it was pretty much go to the rink, back to the hotel, and that was it. Because there was no three-hour rule back then. They could oh. keep you at the rink. They could keep you at – because now there's a rule. You, you're only yes. allowed to be at the rink physically for three hours. But the, the reason that rule came in, Anner's point here, like how long were you at the rink for? Well, you would be at the rink for like a couple of hours to an, in the morning, leave, yeah. come back, and you'd be there again. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. Uh, it, was, it was a long time. But 
it you know back in those days just a little there's no remote controls you wanted to get up you turn the channel you know what i mean and the bed uh, always seemed like far away but yeah so and Ren, you want to get into the nhl one i want to tell a quick one about yorkie and i and i'm not sure if york so we were our last exhibition game my last season in anaheim we're playing in vancouver and ron wilson the head coach we're having our meeting and i had hardly played all preseason and i'm like I'm going on waivers. I am going on waivers. I'm just waiting for tomorrow so I can go on waivers, and I hope I'm going to be claimed. Yeah. So Ron Wilson says, this is the lineup we're going with opening night. And I'm like, Whew, I'm playing. We're in Vancouver. Yorkie is not playing. And I'm like, <laughs> Yorkie was a big part of the team last year. Anyway, we fly from Anaheim to L.A., bus to the pond, uh, Ron, it's like two, three o'clock in the morning. I think at this point, Yorkie. Yep, I remember. Uh, calls us down, calls me down to the. I didn't know he'd called Yorkie down. I just knew it was me. So I'm going down. I'm like, here it goes. The waivers. All we go again. I get to go home and tell the wife, wake her up. We're on waivers. <laughs> so anyway, he calls, comes down. He says, traded you to Ottawa, but it was so dark. The only thing lights on were like the emergency lights in the hallway. Yep. And it was so it was so dark. Next thing you know, I see I pass Yorkie in the hallway, and I'm like, oh boy. So anyway, I didn't know. And then next thing you know, Yorkie and I are at the airport the next morning. We fly to Lake Placid, and we meet the Ottawa Senators. And <laughs> oh, Vander, I my uh, this is a thing. You know when something's up, your spider sense gets up early. Uh, when, and, and I knew because Ron had brought in his boy from Vancouver, Adrian Plasvik. And he got every single opportunity in training camp. And I'm like, you know what? I'm getting traded here because Plasvik now is playing in my spot. And uh, so I, was, I wasn't surprised. But, man, I was shocked and scared to death when I found out it was Ottawa. Because you remember the year before, the Ottawa Senators wrote an article in Sports Illustrated as the worst franchise in all of pro sports. So... I'm going there, and I had a good year the year before in in Anaheim, but not. I hadn't established myself really as an NHL player, and all of a sudden you're going to Ottawa. We're 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 a team where who the hell knows what's going to happen. So, Van, I don't know about you, but I was friggin' nervous when I went there. Not the it was my hometown, but it was more the unknown of going to a team that was just so so bad and didn't know anybody. I didn't. I knew you. You know what I mean? And that, that was that was it. That was it. It, it was weird. A few years later. Um, we were, I think we were playing in Atlanta and Jack Farrar was the GM at the time, uh, for Anaheim. He was waiting outside the dressing room and I was like, we'll walk up. Oh, hi Jack. How are you doing? And he says, I just, can I talk to you for a second? He just said, I just want to let you know. He said, I made a mistake trading you. And I was thinking, holy cow. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that's supposed to make you feel any better yeah, or whatever, but not really. it was kind of like, I don't know if it was bugging him or what it was. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, you kind of like, you know, worked out great in Ottawa, but you yeah. like to see through and you yeah. go through the growing pains yeah. and then you like to reap the other side too. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, and Wally back then Anaheim, what was it? Year two, year three of the, uh, of the expansion process. Uh, that was, that was the golden jewel to play there. Evander, oh. you got the Disney, the Disney passes guys were golfing. It was a little bit of a country club, but you could see, there was a nice core of players there that were starting to, they were starting to build something there. And Jack Frere, one thing about Jack Frere, he was a nice man, wasn't he? Yeah. We, the families were always welcome. Their kids running around. It was, it was a really good spot to play. Well, and they, they had to stop uh, for his wife and the coach's wives. 
from hanging out with the other ones because they were so close. Yeah, they yeah. would be so upset when they had to trade someone. Yeah, and they finally had had to just say no, no. We we've got to separate management and players. Yeah, uh, because it was just it was so close. It was a family. You yeah. Know? And, no, uh, it really like was. The shorts and t-shirts never look out the door. Just shorts and t-shirts, and away you go every single day. Oh, it's uh, awesome! Awesome. By the way, uh, you guys were traded October first, nineteen ninety-six, the year before the Ottawa Senators had won eighteen NHL games. Um, it was a debacle of epic proportion. So, are do you guys are you sitting together on the plane as you're flying from Anaheim to where did you land? New York. Uh, Albany. Oh, Albany, oh, right. I believe. Yeah. yeah. So, Albany. Like, are you discussing? Are you telling them about the great things about Ottawa? Are you guys like, what are we getting ourselves into? How is this going down? I'm just shitting. I'm shitting my pants because I know nothing about <laughs> Ottawa. It's the first time in my life I've been traded. Uh, I'm leaving my wife and kids back back in in Anaheim. Uh, good luck packing up the house and getting everything ready. I'll try and find us something here. You know what I mean? Enjoy yeah. the sun while we can. And uh, not knowing, like, I don't know if the coaches knew anything about me. You know what I mean? Uh, I remember I started on right wing one, you know, I was like, holy shit, right wing. I'm not really a right winger. And uh, First game we played, I think, was, a ho- was in Montreal's home opener. Mm-hmm. It was, I never, so I started on right wing and we get the puck and they said, when we get the puck, dump it in and change. <laughs> and I was like, why the hell did we start? You know what I mean? And I was like, okay, I because uh, Bruce Gardner, uh, the good one, not the great one, was playing center, and I was playing right wing. And I know guards won the draw. We got it back. We dumped it in. Uh, I think Reds and Docs scored that game. But, yeah, I was like, wow. And then, like, you know, it, it worked out really well for me. Uh, like, Jock, uh, I, lo- I loved him as a coach. He was a good coach for me, and he had a lot of patience. And, and uh, yeah, I was. It, it ended up working out really well. Yeah, all all I can say is when I got traded, I had made the cardinal mistake. I I bought a house. Me and Mike Sollinger bought houses. That's probably the first mistake I made, buying a house with Mike Sollinger, who has the record for I think most times being traded. So I got this house, and then the Ducks helped me get my green card. But I was scheduled to get my green card the week I got traded. I had paid the money, had the lawyers, getting the green card, traded. So green card's gone. Probably should have kept after that, but lost it. So there, there was a lot of stuff going on in the background. But I was like, same with same with you, Van. I I was just, uh, it's you just when you get traded, it's the fear of the unknown. It's the, and, and you're looking at the roster. You're seeing who the defensemen are. See how many right D there are. Seeing guys' stats. Seeing where you think in your mind that you fit in, where you're going to play, and then you get there. And the nice thing is, anytime you get traded, they, they, we had a really good group in Ottawa, like a great bunch of guys. Any Vanner and, oh. and and Randy Cunningworth, what what a like what a leader he was. Just a, a you know a guy that had played in the league a lot and played the game the right way. So we had a right away when I got there and got to meet some of the guys after a couple of weeks. You could tell we had a tight group. Not the most talented group, but uh, that first year, Ivanner was so much fun and getting into the playoffs, uh, I think the last day of the season against Buffalo, uh, so much fun. Weird things you remember. Remember they put us up, you and me, in some nice hotel downtown for one night. And yeah. And we moved to some other hotel. Alberton Bay. They yeah. moved us to the Alberton Bay yeah. after that. And I was like, wow, this is, and then it was like, basically you slept there, packed, and when you went to another hotel the next day. But yeah. yeah. And then yeah. I was like, this drive out to the rink all the time. I was like, huh, 
Yeah. So yeah, the senators had a deal with the Alberton Bay Hotel. So anybody that got traded or needed a place to stay was staying at the Alberton Bay. Like couldn't be further away from the hotel, further away, sorry, from the rink to the Queensway. So it was a, it was a nice half an hour drive every single day. Um, but yeah, no, it was that was the spot, Vanner, the Alberton Bay. Uh, uh, Vanner, I looked up uh, all of your goals. Uh, I went over to see, I believe it was, uh, assists perhaps of who set up some of your goals. How many times do you think Jason York assisted on one of your goals? Wow. Great question. Great question. Also, by the way, Patrick Karnback uh, is part of this because he assisted. Karn Karnback. <laughs> the Swedish freight train. The only guy who slept through an earthquake in Anaheim. Didn't even know it the next day. Uh, hey, bud. Hey, bud. Yeah, Patrick Karnback, good buddy of mine. He was he was a great guy. He, yeah. His heart rate, resting heart rate might have been 12. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> There's not a lot of pulse there. So no. calm. Okay, give me an answer. Yeah. How many goals? Ten. One. <laughs> October. October 29th, 1995. You scored two goals that game. The second one assisted by Patrick Karnback and one Jason York. Beauty. Hartford? I believe so, yes. Yeah, I think Sean it, Burke was in that. Oh, um, that's how do you remember that, Vanner? I can't even remember. I can remember my first goal and a couple others, and that's about it. That's you, well, you're pretty. You got a good well, memory. Well, I'll tell you why I remember it because we played in Boston. If that because well, there wasn't a lot of two goal games either, Yorkie. So you had um, six. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So healthy scratch in Boston in at the Garden because he wanted to play some of the Americans. He said, and I was like, my only chance I'd ever would have got to play. And uh, so then played the next night in Hartford and and got two goals. So anyway, worked out. Is Hartford the rink where you, I remember the song you came out to was Was that Hartford? Yeah. Well, I know they used to play it in Bingham too. And one of their players, Al Tour, came across on a home team and flipped uh, one into that section that they were playing that. I think he'd had enough of it every single game. <laughs> yeah. It, it, you know what? It was, it was Hartford. It was. And the reason I know this, uh, because when I was coaching in Kempville, I said, guys, I'm going to get us a great song to come out to for games. You guys are going to love it. You know what kids now listen to. And I put the brass bonanza on. So the Kempville, our players are coming out of the rink. They're like, what the hell is this? music for, and i'm sitting on the bench just having a giggle because these guys i'm like guys you will learn to appreciate this music this is from the hartford whalers days and guys used to love it um can i tell you one quick story too one about yes, one of the highlights can. of anaheim that has nothing to do with hockey and i don't <laughs> want to see if yorkie yorkie i'm gonna get a smile out of him so we Alrighty. had a guy on our team named bobby harlumbus dollas actually his name was harlumbus bobby dollas and we had a defense <laughs> bill holder <clears throat> and Bill Holder had this big, deep voice. And uh, every time, remember after warm-up, what Billy would say? Oh, I don't know. I... We'd wait for Bobby to come in, you know, and, and then Billy would start in a, his deep voice, like I said. He'd be all aboard, all aboard <laughs> Charlie Lombas. And uh, <laughs> so that was, uh, that was the thing. Oh, 
Bobby loved it. So I, I just remember uh, Bobby Dallas had the big nose. He had the big schnoz. And uh, guys used to call him Toucan. So Mike's, Mike Sillinger used to dance around the dressing room and do the toucan dance. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. Adult, like Sillinger, I, I, I thoroughly believe this. Mike Sillinger, very good player, great guy. He kept playing on different teams. Great face-off guy as well, right? Vander Sully yes, was great on the draws. The guy was such a good room guy. Like He could automatically come into a dressing room and then just fit in like glue and then find something about guys and just it's Dallas was his guy and he would just give it to him about the nose. And then Dallas would try and give it to other guys and Sillinger would be right in right away and cut him off. And the whole team would just erupt. He just had great timing. Like there's a guy we should, we got to get on the pod. Mike Sillinger, Mike, man. Mike Sillinger, what, former what Ottawa a, Senator. Yeah. yeah. What a, what a, what a great teammate, eh, Vanner? Yeah. Awesome guy. By the way, Bobby Dallas was a former Ottawa senator for one game. Oh, one game, yeah. He, he got claimed off waivers. He was so angry about that. Calgary he, Flames. Yeah, so mad. Um, okay, yeah, I, I yeah. got some – I, I want to get to Ottawa stuff, and I, we're way behind. But uh, in Milwaukee, 1987-88, you actually had a, a really good – well, I don't know if you'll tell me, but it looked like you had a good group of guys. But a lot of smart – like Joe Sacco's on this team. Claude Noel's on this team. Bill McCreary is on this team. Is that the same Bill McCreary that later became the ref? No, that's the guy that hammered Gretzky in Edmonton when he was with Toronto. Ah. I don't Got know it. if he'd ever played another shift in his entire life in the NHL <laughs> after he cold-cocked Wayne Gretzky there in Edmonton. I don't think he did. No. I didn't even know that, you know, because back then it's not like it is now. You know what I mean? Oh. But we had a lot of older veterans. Holy cow, that was... Uh, it was an interesting team. They, I got called up back up to Halifax. They'd lost 17, 18 in a row, something like that. And, uh, I guess they had champagne. The owner came in after they won uh, to beat the streak, but it was, it was an interesting team. Uh, okay. So can you tell the Gretzky story before we move to the Ottawa stuff and all the stuff that happened while you played in Ottawa? Um, Okay. I'll, yeah, I'll, you you tell how did Sean Van Allen become Wayne Gretzky, or people were hoping anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, we're playing in Washington. It's an afternoon game. I'm chasing Kevin Hatcher behind the net. Uh, lose my balance. I go backwards into the boards, and basically I'm as knocked out as you can be with like still being conscious. So anyway, the trainer comes out, and he. I guess I keep saying I don't know where I am. And I don't know who I am, but it was, I was confused because Dan Curry and Stephen Rice had been called up and I was playing with them and they got sent down. So I didn't know I was in the NHL. I didn't know anything. So they <laughs> wheel me off on a stretcher and the trainer gets back to the bench and Ted Green says, who, who was a wonderful man, says, uh, he says to the trainer, or the trainer says to Ted, he doesn't know who he is. And that's when Teddy says, tell him he's Wayne Gretzky because we weren't very good. And uh, Teddy coached Gretz for a number of years, and he was a hard-nosed defenseman. And that story has stuck around forever. There was I get I got updates. I don't know when it was. Brent, do you know exactly when? Because I was getting updates. I don't know if it was six weeks ago or like eight weeks ago. People saying the anniversary of that. Oh. I got a pile of text that day. I'll look great. it up. Yeah, I I wasn't aware of that, but yeah, I've always loved that story only because 
it just you can you can just picture it right like yeah, guys, yeah. coaches have great senses of humor behind the bench and so i i would that's one of the best stories i've heard in a long time um <laughs> but the fact is you probably played the next shift didn't you no they took me off they put me in oh. a hospital that night and then flew me commercial home the next day by myself <laughs> you guys by the way flew <laughs> commercial back then yeah yeah they went to philadelphia <laughs> and I went to Edmonton, but I had no idea what happened. Right. I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know what happened. I just, you know, somehow got to the hospital or whatever. I don't even remember any of that. Um, and then when I got to Edmonton, they said, do you want to see the hit? I was like, ah, sure. I guess. Cause I don't, I don't have any, any idea what happened. And then I saw it and I was like, yeah, you know, oh boy. Wow. Uh, all right. We're going to Ottawa here now. Finally is, uh, I know Yorkie is gone at this point, uh, I believe, but uh, there's all kinds of stuff that's happening with the team. And part of it's mostly off ice with Rod Bryden and press conferences and bankruptcy. Like, I want to know what it's like for you guys, because it was weird for us. We Like, every day it seemed that Rod Bryden had some different press conference about trying to sell tickets. Meanwhile, we're asking you guys, like, well, what do you think? of Like, nobody has any – obviously, you guys don't have any answers. I, I want to know what the room is like, because I can't imagine – you guys, maybe we're moving. Maybe we're not going to be here. What's going on? You know what is crazy? Um, I don't feel like too many guys got caught up in that. I think we were told that the NHL was going to cover us no matter what. And I think once everyone figured out that we were going to get paid, it was, like, not that big of a deal. Because um, you still – like, for some of us, we are still trying to hang on to that, right, staying as an NHLer, and we're kind of more focused with that. That's a terrible way to kind of – finish that but we weren't really that well I wasn't anyway that focused on that I was just focused on on playing all the time and once they reassured us that we would be fine I just assumed we'd be fine yeah I would say especially in that era guys we didn't have the only the only way you could really find something out is if you read the press clippings so really the only guy that really knew what was going on was Todd White because I think he I think he took those clippings right away, Vanner, and he just took them for himself. So nobody else really knew what's going on. But it's true. Like you're, I can just speak for myself. I didn't really, you're so focused on your own career, what you're doing, uh, your day to day, winning and losing, ups and downs. That's outside stuff. It doesn't really get to you. Even something like that, which people would find surprising. Uh, Vanner, 0203, before I forget this, is the you have the shot of obviously going to the cup final. You lose game seven in the Eastern final. Uh, can you take me through that year for you? Just, I think you're 35 at the time. So, I like, are you thinking, I don't know if I'm going to get another shot at this? I, by the way, uh, is it the following year that the lockout is? And I think it ends your career, if I'm not mistaken, or am I off a no, season? No, you're. So it was, well, the last year was right before the lockout. Yeah. Um, that was a terrible way to end it. It was a healthy scratch for the whole playoffs. And the year before, when we lost to Jersey, I'd basically had a career year at 35. Um, you know, uh, after Montreal, I didn't know if I was going to get an opportunity. And Ottawa, you know, I think the relationship with Jock and there was some trust there. I'd met him in a golf tournament in Digby, Nova Scotia. Ran into Jock down there, and he's asking, anything going on? No, I said, nothing going on yet. You know what I mean? And next thing you know, Ottawa had offered me a one-and-one. And, one. and um, I was like, you know, I'd love to come back to Ottawa. Two, there wasn't a whole lot of other options on the table at the time or none. And so I come back, and then it kind of worked out. Like, 
Bonky got hurt a little bit. And I think a couple other guys that got hurt. And I got a chance to play with some real skilled players like, uh, you know, Marion Hosa or Martin Havlad. And it just, you know, when you're playing with skilled guys like that, uh, you know, you get them the puck, you're going to get points. And felt like a real big part of the team. And then, you know, we went so deep in the playoffs and unfortunately lose to Jersey in seven. That's one of my, you know, greatest memories and worst memories that I'll have as a hockey player. I mean, it was fun to watch because you guys played so well. I, I did enjoy that run. It was crushing to watch because everybody thought that was the year. Because I, I think, is that the game that you scored the overtime winner in the first game against New Jersey? You have, yeah. an, you have one game-winning goal in Stanley Cup playoff uh, in your career, and it's a first game against Jersey, if I'm not mistaken. It, you know, you're 100% accurate. Um, great pass. Like like I, I've told the story before, I um you know we're out there and it goes i want to say z to philly uh up to shafe over to me over to marty havlad and so patty laleem gives me his version of it i get the clock <laughs> in a pretty good spot to shoot from and he always ripped me about my shot you know how a little fluttered over the pad kind of thing you know what i mean and he's like shoot it shoot it he's telling me and i pass it to marty he's like oh and then marty of course just unbelievable. Marty have like great hands and he just gives it to me in the crease for a tap in. You know what I mean? And uh, one of the most disappointing things I said, like <clears throat> I just said to Marty after what a great pass, what a great pass. You know what I mean? And we're like face to face. And then after the game, when you guys are asking questions, one of the first questions you guys asked, what did you say to Marty? I couldn't even remember what I said to Marty. And it was like, you can read my lips. You know what I mean? And uh, you know what I mean? I, I love playing with that guy. Um, he was so good, so deceptive. Um, yeah, like he would bring so many guys to him. It was it was it was a treat to play with him and Peter Schaefer. Yeah, what a what a what a great guy too. I actually ran into him, Banner, about four months ago. He still looks like he can play. Marty Havlat. He's in unbelievable shape. Uh, he's in Florida or something. Playing yeah, tennis or something, is he? He's living in Boca Raton, playing tennis every day. Took up golf. Uh, you know, you know what else he's doing right now? He's actually running the, uh, he's back in hockey, the, the, uh, the Czech world championship team. So he's the GM for that team. Really? He's putting yeah. yeah. He's putting, he's putting together their world championship team, uh, for the spring. So he's, he's excited. He's back in hockey and he's, uh, um, he's got two daughters to play full-time tennis. So he's into tennis. He's a great tennis player, but yeah, I know he's back in the game again. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Who is your favorite roommate that you had? Uh, I'll say as an Ottawa Senator, because back in the day, you guys always had to have roommates. It wasn't like it is today where if you play 400 games, you get your own room. So uh, do you have roommate stories? I have one. I'll try and make it as... <laughs> Andres Dackel was by far... Like, he was unbelievable. We drove to the ring together. Uh, we roomed together. Um, I'll never forget, well, I'll, I didn't remember at the time, but he'd asked me to be his best man at his wedding. And I basically rolled over and went to sleep. And so <laughs> Linda, Linda had said to him, are you asking Sean to be your best man? And he said, yes. And then she said, did you ask him? And he said, yes. And, and she goes, what did he say? He rolled over and went to sleep. And so <laughs> anyway, I ended up going, but anyway, we were in Nashville and I believe Molson's was taking us out golfing the next day. And Dax was a great golfer. And uh, so they'd, we'd went out in Nashville and had a couple beverages. And because we knew the next day is a day off and nothing but golf. 
So anyway, I'm lying in bed. Dax is in his bed. And, you know, oh, we're going to go early, pick the clubs, hit some balls. So anyway, I roll over at about 7, and Dax is not in bed. And I'm like, that ass has already gone down. He's eating breakfast. Screw him. I'm lying in bed till whenever the alarm has to go off. So anyway, I roll over, and there he is, butt naked, right <laughs> beside me. And I'm like, Dax. And he's like groggy from having, you know, a couple beverages. And he's like, what? I said, you're in my bed. He goes, oh, yeah. And he, I go, and you're naked. So get out of my bed. So anyway, off he went to his bed. He was a just a beautiful human being. Unbelievable. Oh, oh, boy. He was very good. I really liked. Now, were you in beauty. Ottawa when he got hit by Eric Lindros? Yeah, I can still yeah. bitch it. That was one of the best moments. Wally, well, I was if you if you watch the replay, I'm on the ice. I'm one of the guys that lets Lindros he skates right by me. And I'm like, uh oh, this isn't gonna be good. Like it was it was nasty to yeah. see the force ice level. And and Dax a pretty sturdy guy too. But the thing part of the reason that uh was so uh, catastrophic. Ottawa and Montreal and, and Vanner weigh in this after oh. our seamless glass we had back in the building. It was like running into a cement wall. Yeah. So the rinks now the guys play on, they have springboard systems, the boards move and they've gone back to the partitions in the glass. So that seamless it's because glass, of that. I, that's, that's why it was as bad as it was. Obviously the hit was hard and it was Lindros, but his head bounces and there's no give in the boards. Vanner, do you remember getting hit into the boards and your head hit the boards and you'd get a, pre a pressure cut? Oh, yeah. Four, like, it was so hard, the impact, your head would bounce off the glass and your forehead would split open. You'd get these pressure cuts and they finally changed those stupid, uh, went back to the partitions because guys guys were going to get seriously hurt uh, from how, how hard the boards were. Well, and too, I don't think anyone realized how strong Eric Lindros was. Like, Oh. He was in his own category, like yeah. just taking a draw against him and just recognizing the strength. I tried to make sure I knew where he was on the ice at all times because he yeah. could end your career without even trying to end your career. He was like he could play it any way you wanted, you know. Oh man, he was a strong human being. It's um, it's crazy the thing you just said there, and I know you you, you coach Carlton now, and you I watch a lot of the players. And this is more of a technical question for you. When I used to get on the ice, I would always account for who I was on the ice, which guys were on the ice. And I, you just said you did the same thing. How many guys nowadays don't do that? It's like you're on the ice. It's like, guys, know who you're playing against. Know what guy can hurt you. What guy does what? I just, it's, it's a lost art in today's game, I find. I totally agree. It's, um, for me, that's a big deal. Like, you don't know if you're playing against a line that's going to check you or score against you. I always wanted to know. Because, you know, if you're playing against skilled guys, you wanted to not turn the puck over. You wanted to get it deep, make them work. And, uh, you know, you always had to be aware. Or in the same thing with a tough guy. Like, sometimes I play with Stu Grimson and Todd Ewan. And on a faceoff, I knew as soon as they dropped the puck that our shift was over. Because one of those guys was going to the guy beside him. So, um, you always wanted to be aware. You know what I mean? And that's that was just part of the game. Like, a guy like Scott Stevens come across the middle. Uh, I remember, say, Luke Richardson and Brian Marchman in Edmonton. Coming across the middle was you were going to be in a lot of pain if you didn't have your head up. And oh. even if you had your head up, they still may get you. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Uh, 
a battle of Ontario before we go. Uh, what was it like to play in those at the time? And I guess you played in just one playoff series, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Battle of Ontario. Uh, can you take us through those days? I'm going to take you just through a little personal highlight of mine. I remember we lost the first two games in Toronto, I believe. And then we come home for game three and four. And Jock starts me, Andre Waugh, and Colin Forbes. Okay? <laughs> and you want to know who's on the ice? I was more concerned with Andre than I was probably any Maple Leaf out there because Andre was wound up and Andre <laughs> was hitting something out there. And so him and Forbesy, we just dumped the puck in. And I'd just be third guy high because there's no way I'm getting ahead of those two guys. And they just hit everything. And we win game three. And who are they starting in game four? Same thing again. And we're wound up again. And away we go. And I believe we tie the series. Then we go to Toronto. He starts us again. And uh, we lose. And I think we lost. Was it game six, too? I think I can't. can't those are not great memories for me. Uh, but anyway, it was something else. It was... It was just at a different level with the media from it Toronto was. coming down and flooding the room and and uh, how bad we wanted to beat them. Like, I still dislike the Leafs to this day, and I'll <laughs> dislike them till, till the end of time for me. Um, it's really hard, especially the Leaf fans and that. I'm just, you know what I mean, some sad memories with that. You know what I mean? Because in my mind, we were the better team, but we weren't the better team because we didn't beat them in a best of seven. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I remember the one series when uh, when Shane Corson shut down Yashin in the one series Vanner, and we got swept four straight. And uh, we finished ahead of them that year. I think we were the first seed, and they were eighth, and we lost four straight to them. And we made some deals, and it was just bad timing on my part. I was a free agent after that series, which is never good timing. No, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was just uh, yeah, they just. A little, a little fortunate with bounces, but they just, they, they found another level to get to in the playoffs and they, they just got their nose dirty a little more than I think. Uh, yes. They were built the playoffs. Top, 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 top to bottom. Yeah. I think I was in Dallas that year, Yorkie, and I thought you guys were stacked. And <laughs> typically we used to handle Toronto quite easily in the regular season. Yeah. And yeah. I think we just assumed it was going to be called the same way. It was going to be played the same way. Yeah. Uh, they just had guys that knew how to play in the playoffs. Like Shane Corson could just stick a stick in a guy and stay with them. And, you know, you get away with a little bit more back then. Yeah, for sure. They, they knew how to play in the playoffs. They knew how to push the boundaries as far as you could be pushed. Yeah. No, good point. Yeah. Because back then you could get away with a lot of the playoffs. So you could... I call it cheat the game. You could cheat the game a lot more, especially if you're an older guy and knew the just how far you could hook a guy or hold a guy, which uh, was to their advantage. Well, and Mary right. Hose, like what what he didn't get called against him just because he was so strong. That's, oh. that's the other thing, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And no, like, I, I mean, they had guys like Joe Neuendyke and, and whatnot that Gary Roberts, of course, and we all saw how they played, but you guys didn't have your high-end guys adjust adapt to it if you will like Alexi Yashin just played the same way or and so yep. I think that became a huge part right where we need to see more from your high-end guys to try and make this a little more uncomfortable well and the other thing is you want like if your top end guys aren't scoring just don't get scored against them you know what I mean yeah. and that's the thing yeah. is like they put up points all year they're pressing for points so if you're getting scored against not getting points it's it's, it's really hard to win when your best players aren't producing it's actually that's, just about impossible. That's that yeah. Buffalo series. Uh, 
98, 99, 99, right? Is that the president's trophy year where you guys go into Buffalo and Mike Pekka shuts down Alexi Ashen, who I think was, that was the 94 points he had that year. He was a heart finalist. He just didn't find a way to get around Mike Pekka and the defensive system. And I think Mike Pekka made a lot of money off of that. You might want to say, (laughs) and I'm going to say too, didn't Dominic Hasek get hurt and Steve Shields played some of that? Because we were like, ooh, Hasek's out, Shields is in. We're all set. And then Shields goes up and has a probably one of his best playoffs ever. Uh, but yeah, no, but again, Dom wasn't very good in that series before he got nope. hurt against us. That's right. You know? That's right. Um, lastly on the leaf thing, did you guys, was it hard not to get caught up in all the hype? Like it was a spectacle. That locker room probably had 50 people in it every day, media wise, all trying to get something or talk to somebody or whatever. Like even the media people would get a little cranky with each other. There's, you know, like you're not coming in here. I'm not giving you room, whatever. It was a spectacle <laughs> to see that these two teams going at it from all angles. And it was, what did Pat Quinn say today? Yes. Like, he, he was like the puppet master. You know what I mean? Yes. You know, about the call. They, they, all of a sudden, Toronto wasn't getting the calls, and Ottawa was getting away with stuff. And we're like, we're getting away with stuff. You know what I mean? And <laughs> he he did a masterful job. Like, if, if you're looking how to do it, Pat Quinn was arguably the best that had done it back then. Uh, Hunter Wally, who was your guy? Because he's in a, in a series. You, you talked about that. Some Toronto there'd media be, coming in. There'd be a couple, you like score, Lance Brown. Would you, you Lance square Brown. off with him? No, but he went after Jacques one time, uh, and I think it was over Curtis Joseph. So somebody ran Patty Laleem, I believe, or they're they're in the crease a lot. And so Lance is like, "Well, are you going to respond the same way?" And Jacques, of course, Jacques is very stoic. Well, I don't control that. And Lance is like, well, what do you mean? Like, are you going to run the goalie? And Jacques like, I, I don't control that. And so he kept trying to go after Jacques. And then finally, Phil Legault, the P- PR guy, was like, he already answered that question. And Lance Brown's like, I'm not asking you. I'm asking Jacques Martin. I was like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> it was everywhere was tense. It was fun to be around. I love it. Yeah. Well, can I ask you a quick story, Brent, because I'm sure you were there. Was it, is this story true about Tom Green? Uh, the cookies we playing New Jersey, and he, yes, about Jock Lemaire, and that was yes, was the first or second question. Yes, you, go yes. ahead. So, I'm not there, but I've been told about this story a number of times. So, there, Jock Lemaire is uh, obviously very stoic and rigid. And uh, Tom Green is in the press room and asked a question to Jacques Lemaire about the cookies. And Jacques Lemaire's that's it, interview's over, and he storms yeah. out. <laughs> So none of the media people have asked any questions about the game, and Tom Green has just killed it for everybody. Oh, were people pissed? Yeah, <laughs> that's so good. awesome. Well, it was only yeah. the Eastern Conference. Why did they want to know anything? You know? Uh, yeah. So I, I love that stuff. It, we, you know what? Today's game it's so different from that. It used to have some yeah. really good stuff back then. I, I remember during the bankruptcy, Jacques Martin was asked about getting paid by Ken Herrera, and uh, Jacques, of course, <laughs> you don't control that. And so Ken Herrera goes. Well, when you went to the bank, was there more money in it or not? <laughs> it's like, you don't control that. I was like, okay. Like, don't ask Jock any questions unless it's about the uh, Well, I, I, I asked Jock, so when the last game of the year when Steve Shane scored and uh, we end up beating Buffalo to get in the playoffs, the room is Looney Tunes. We're jumping around like we've been in the playoffs. Pretty much the most of the whole room had never been in the playoffs before. And here we are. We make it. We go on that incredible run with the Ottawa Senators. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, next thing you know, we're in the playoffs. And Jock's facial expression didn't change. <laughs> and I talked to him a couple of days later. And I'm like, how? You know what I mean? And he's like, oh, I just keep it on the inside. I'm like, holy cow. You know what I mean? Like after 80 or 82 games or whatever it was back then, and we make the playoffs for the first time, Oh, the city was alive. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Jacques always had the same saying after, after every game, win or lose up on the board would be food, rest, recovery bike. Every <laughs> without <laughs> fail. That was on the board after uh, every single game, uh, food, well, rest, recovery bike. Uh, Vanner, we've kept you too long, but, uh, I will say, uh, <laughs> Your team is playing the Ottawa GGs this weekend uh, in the Bytown Classic. Where is that game uh, at the Ravens Nest or is it uh, Ottawa? It's at TD. Ah, uh, oh. the 67th rink, four o'clock. Four o'clock Sunday. Look forward yep. to it. Is now yes. do you bet with the other head coach? Is there any side wagers? No, there's not. Generally, not a lot of communication between the coaches in our league. <laughs> it's probably more, probably more my doing than anything. You know what I mean? I'm not usually too chummy with a guy that wants to beat me. Patrick is a great guy. Don't get me yeah. wrong, but yeah. I typically don't chum with guys that are trying to beat me. Well, I will show up and bring you some bubble gum just to see if that helps. There you you can find some of that fresh bubblelicious from those early years. That'd be awesome. <laughs> uh, appreciate it, Vanner. Thank you for stopping by, as always. I hope to actually we can bring it on again because I've, I've got more stuff to ask you. So uh, we yeah. didn't even get to the Ken Hitchcock questions. Uh, so I appreciate yeah. you taking the time anyway uh that'll wrap it up for this episode we appreciate you stopping by we'll see you on monday thanks for watching coming in hot brought to you by botano thanks deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.